Hello, my friends. This is Donna, and today we are going to talk a little bit about death, and then we're going to talk about the other side. Hopefully, I can offer a fresh perspective on this difficult subject, difficult to us as humans, difficult to us when we are inside of a human lifetime. When my sons were little, I started shopping for a street bike, a motorcycle that looked and sounded like a Harley, but without the Harley price tag. My husband had raced Enduros, which is a series of long-distance trail or dirt motorcycle events since he was a kid. So he taught me to ride dirt bikes, and we had a lot of fun riding the mountain trails of Colorado. But after Diana moved back from Alaska and got a Harley, and then we went to Sturgis together, I all of a sudden needed a street bike so that I could ride with her. I took the course and got my motorcycle license and saved my pennies and shopped Craigslist for about a year, actually. Finally, finally, I found my perfect bike. It was a bright blue Suzuki Marauder 800. It was low and light and had aftermarket pipes that were rumbly enough that other vehicles could hear me coming, but were not obnoxious. (laughs) I've ridden bikes that are quiet, by the way, and they make me a little nervous. So during this whole period, uh, from when I got the idea to when I got my motorcycle, I got a lot of flack from people for wanting to ride street bikes. Partly, a little, a little bit because of being a woman. This was quite a few years ago, but mostly because I'm a mom. Your boys need you, they'd say. How can you risk your life when you've got kids? Or don't do it, please, others would say with pleading eyes, and then they'd proceed to tell me the story of a friend or a family member who had wrecked their bike and even died. And I understood I I got it. They were afraid that I'd get horribly injured or that I would die. I was afraid of not living. I believed even then that my death is predestined, and whether I am sitting safely on my back porch swing every day or living every day like I'm in the fast and the furious, my death will still happen how and when it is planned. And also, death has never been my ultimate fear. I've survived enough things in life that make death seem a little bit warm (laughs) or cuddly even that death has just not been the fearful event for me that I recognize that it is for some others. From the soul's perspective, death is in fact a positive part of every lifetime because we need chapter breaks and rest periods. It's sort of like having the summer off between school years or taking regular sabbaticals. In truth, our human death is a great and celebratory homecoming on the other side. Our human fear and discomfort, of course, comes from not understanding the process and the purposes of death and from intense grief and loneliness that we experience after someone that we love very much has died. And of course, having no guarantees that we will ever see that person again, unless we hold uh, specific religious beliefs. 
So yes, yes, of course the limited human perspective on death is grim and painful. But we can get comfortable with death. On the other side, we are extremely grateful for death because we need it. It is the mechanism that brings us home. Dolores Cannon, in her book titled Between Life and Death, says this, It would make life so much easier if we could live out our time in happiness and love, not fearing what lies at the end. End quote. Emmanuel says this in Emmanuel's book too. Let me tell you a story about dying. You live a lifetime. At the end of it, you say to those around your deathbed, What a long life. Why, I lived 90 whole years. Do you know how much I did? And then you die. You wake up and ask, How long was I gone? The being of light who is with you answers, We hardly noticed you were gone at all. You just sat down and dozed off for a second, and here you are again. What kind of a dream did you have this time? End quote. I want to share with you some reports of what death feels like. And these all come from Dolores Cannon's book, Between Life and Death. And they are from many, many, many different clients who have relived death, uh, relived the end of many lifetimes through past life regression. The first quote says, Dying's the easiest thing I'll ever do. It's like the end of all confusion. Until you start over again, and then it's all confusion. The next quote, Dying is as natural as anything else in life, making love, walking, running, swimming. It is just another part of life. There's really no such thing as dying. You just go to a different stage of your life. Dying is pleasant. If people are worried about it, Tell them to go to a place in the river that has a deep pool. Tell them to dive down to the bottom of the pool, and then at the bottom, push up vigorously with their feet and come plunging up to the surface. Tell them it is like that. The next quote. It is like being in a dense, dark forest and then coming out into the clear light. Once you are out of the forest, there is no fear. And the last quote. Death is as natural and painless as blinking your eyes. And that's almost the way it is. One moment you're in this plane of existence, and the next you're in the other plane. Your memories are intact, and you feel the same, as if your life is continuing. So, what about traumatic deaths? Well, once again, from doing past life regressions, and many hundreds of people who have experienced traumatic deaths via regression, we know that many or even most souls, uh, spirits, who die traumatic deaths such as maybe being burned, they just leave their body before the trauma. And they report watching the body scream or react to the pain, but the separation of body and soul is very, very apparent. No spirit has to suffer these sorts of painful deaths if they decide not to. In fact, Jesus was reported to have left his body very early on in the crucifixion process. 
the lesson was for us and not him. So why would he suffer needlessly? But because intense physical trauma often causes death, we as humans have linked death itself to trauma, when in fact, death is not traumatic to the person experiencing it. Life includes much trauma, that is true. Death, however, does not. Uh, Another little subtopic of death, and I'm going to share a quote from Emmanuel in Emmanuel's book one. Some of you fear that when you die, there will be an awesome tribunal sitting in judgment upon you. The truth of the matter is, is that the first thing that you see when you leave your bodies is light. The first thing you hear is laughter. And the first thing you feel is love. End quote. A few other interesting things about death. There is an energetic silver cord that connects the spirit to the body. And this is severed at death. Out-of-body experiences and astral travel do not sever this cord. It can't be severed accidentally, in fact. The severing must be intentional. So there's an energy field that separates this physical plane from our home reality or the other side. Sometimes this is called the veil of confusion or the field of forgetting. This energy field is what we pass through on our way into incarnation and on our way out. The bright, dazzling light that people describe in near-death experiences is actually this intense energy field or boundary between the physical and the spiritual realms. In a near-death experience, the person sees this field but does not go far enough to complete the transition. This energy is so intense that it severs the silver cord when the spirit passes through, and then the spirit cannot return back into the body, and the body begins to deteriorate as soon as its life force is cut off. Now, sometimes after death, there is confusion while the soul figures out what is happening and where it is. However, another familiar soul or several or even many always come to help the transition soul orient. And there are life reviews. We talk about here how the uh, person's life might flash before their eyes uh, before death or at death. But this always happens after death as a life review, after the transition is complete. And on the other side, there are masters who will help the person review with more objectivity. There's a beautiful story in the book Between Life and Death on page 21 where an elderly lady died and her husband who had passed quite a while before her had come back to be with her in her transition. And after um, she had, had died, they stood together and surveyed their life scenes that were spread like a patchwork quilt across their valley, across the valley of the farm that they lived on for many, many years together. So as you can see from this example, the life reviews are just as individual, um, just as unique as each soul is. So let's talk about how certain types of death look from the perspective of the other side. Group deaths, such as train accidents or massacres, earthquakes or war, 
are pre-planned. There are groups of souls who decide to experience death together for various reasons. Windows of escape throughout life. So we, as a soul, pre-program in windows into our lifetimes, Um, especially when we anticipate that the life that we've chosen might get too hard, when we've picked a tough one. (laughs) As a soul, we have endless choices, and we like to give ourselves, our our partial spirit that incarnates, plenty of choices as well. So we often do pre-program in different windows of escape. So there's not always just one predestined moment of death. There are usually uh, various moments that we can, at an unconscious level, decide to take or not. We, of course, learn lessons from the thresholds of others around us inside of a lifetime. So thresholds meaning birth and death and um, edges and choices that other people make. Even when we are not consciously processing all these sorts of things, subconsciously we are learning lessons that we may not even realize. Suicide. Suicide requires healing on the other side unless it was part of a contract for a pre-planned reason, um, such as for the learning of those around the soul who commit suicide. Generally speaking, suicide is not seen as optimal from the other side, but it is completely understood and dealt with in total and utter love. Um, it just often, when we know this from regression, it just often requires additional focus of healing and additional nurturing and care for that spirit who was in such traumatic circumstances or believed that they had no other choice that they then committed suicide. So I hope that that gives you, uh, a lot of compassion and a lot of hope. Um, for those times when suicide touches your life as it has touched mine. Suicide is dealt with with so much love, so much love and understanding on the other side. Miscarriages. These happen when the incoming soul energy cannot adjust or you might say interface with the mother's energetic body. I find this interesting, this whole concept interesting, um, because about a third of all first-time pregnancies end in miscarriage. So it makes a whole lot of sense to me that it's just a matter of energy trying to interface. I mean, you have one whole spirit energetically trying to fit inside the energetic body of a whole other spirit. (laughs) So it sounds complicated. It has to be a little more complicated on the energetic level. Often the child who is born after a miscarriage was the same soul trying to come in before. They just have to make adjustments until they're able to complete that, uh, that interface. Multiple miscarriages, those, those times when someone is, is trying so hard to conceive to get pregnant and then they, they just don't, they just never really do. We have seen that that typically has something to do with a different lifetime where there was a vow made or a strong belief system or an intense trauma 
that is overlapping from another lifetime and is preventing the current body from bearing children. And in those cases, that can be changed. Um, The hypnotherapist can work with the higher soul and with the body of the person and basically removing one program that's an old, outdated program and um, allowing the body to then see and carry out the needs and the desires of the current spirit, the current lifetime. Infant death is usually an experience for the benefit of those who bear the loss. Typically, the infant soul will have made a contract to give its parents and its siblings and whomever else it impacts that specific experience. Sometimes the soul just only wants that small, uh, brief, little experience of life for whatever reason. And then there's abortions. Abortions are such a complex topic, and I have stood and argued both for and against them, actually, at various times in my life. Now, I see it from such an entirely different perspective that I can just really see and feel and understand the incredible compassion that both pro-lifers and pro-choicers are working from. As souls, we can enter the fetus anywhere from conception to about three years old. Some say that souls usually enter at the first breath taken. Others teach that souls enter exactly 88 days before birth. And there is evidence via regression that souls actually come and go during sleep, all during the first three years of life. So because the soul can enter the fetus or the baby at any given time, the body that is aborted is usually not yet incarnated. Abortion offers a myriad of lessons, of course, to those that they impact, those who have to make excruciating decisions in the midst of all sorts of hardships. In the very few events where a soul did come into the fetus body and then was aborted, this was pre-planned as an intentional experience. It was a contract between the baby soul and the mother. And lastly, murder. Murder is usually a pre-planned contract as well. If it was not, in the few events um, where it was not, the experience is never, never wasted from the soul's perspective. There are really not any accidents because with our higher soul's bird's eye view of, of our entire journeys, it is never really surprised by events that take place. So everyone that is involved in any sort of a murder scenario has opportunities that is that are being offered to them for growth inside of that experience. So where is it that we go when we die after we have transitioned out of this human lifetime? I call it the other side. This is where we are in between lifetimes. And after we've transitioned, we typically will review the life that we've completed and incorporate its lessons from a perspective of much greater understanding, and then make a plan for our next incarnation 
and study and prepare for it. I also refer to the other side as our true home, because it is. This is where our soul, our higher self is, even when parts of it are experiencing incarnations. This is where we, our our large whole self always is. There are infinite planes and places on the other side. So where you go is based on your individual frequency which is to say that we all go wherever we will be most comfortable and be able to take the next step on our journey. One place that is reported on often in regressive hypnotherapy is a school of knowledge where we learn about things at the universal or the cosmic level. And there are spiritual masters that guide and teach and advise us. There is also a beautiful healing place where people who have suffered from um, really horrible disease or accidents or intense trauma are often taken for healing that is done with colors and with light. And then there is a resting place. And some souls go there after an incarnation to spend time to forget things from a lifetime, things that won't really aid them in future lives. Um, So it seems as if there are a lot of happenings during lifetimes that we use and we might even recycle and, um, you know, use across various many lifetimes. However, there are also things that happen that apparently the higher souls determine will not be of any use to them, will not um, do anything but damage basically to them. And so then they will send the spirit to a resting place, this resting place, and just spend some time. It's kind of, it's almost like um, a deep, deep sleep. When people who are in, uh, are regressed, people who are under trance are in this place, they are just basically in a deep, deep, like a sleep state almost. And sometimes they're there for a long, long time. Um, and they call it forgetting things or getting over things that were done to them. And then there are teachings out there that uh, talk about astral planes. So I just want to touch on the three astral planes that concern us, we who are going through human incarnations. The lower astral plane is actually located on Earth. It is not in this other dimension or other realm of the other side. The lower astral plane is actually on earth, and this is where low-frequency spirits um, can get stuck. So basically a spirit that has been incarnated um, dies, the, the body dies, and the, but the spirit is so tied to some of the things that they've been experiencing For instance, addiction. Let's just talk about uh, maybe a drug addiction. And this doesn't always happen. I mean, in no way does this always happen with addicts. But just every once in a while, this can happen where a, a spirit, after they die still wants to experience that addiction or or whatever it is that they get very, very kind of tied to or bogged down in. So they will actually stay here. The spirit will stay here instead of going on to the other side and watch in spirit form the incarnated 
uh, humans partaking in the addiction because that's the only way to still kind of participate in it. And sometimes they will be here, the spirit will be here just, I mean, for a long time, basically until they get tired of it or have some sort of learning that or realization that it's keeping them from progressing. This astral plane is probably the closest thing that exists to our concept of hell. There, there is no hell except for what we make for ourselves. But this lower astral plane is, I mean, to me, when I study it and, you know, kind of see it or, or feel it or experience it in any way, um, it is, you know, kind of close to our human concept of hell. Now, Earth is evolving to where it will no longer host this astral plane. Uh, we talk about in our episode on the shift how the whole planet Earth is evolving from third dimension to fifth dimension. Fourth dimension is a gateway. So, and this is a years and years and years long process in human time. However, Earth is getting to a point where energetically speaking, it'll be too high. It cannot support this low energetic vibration that is the lower astral plane. So then what will happen is there will be another young, younger planet somewhere um, whose energies can support this, and it'll all just transition to there. And spirits will still be able to experience this sort of thing at that level and learn from it and so on and so forth. The middle astral plane is on the other side, and... This is where souls can live in a house and a familiar, pleasant environment that is pretty much however they want it to be with whomever they wish to be with. So there's things there like neighborhoods and lakes and cities. And remember, everything that we know is a microcosm of a macrocosm. So at one level, the middle astral plane is very similar to what we experience here on earth. Um, the most souls that are here in the middle astral plane are there because they are not um, negatively oriented, but neither are they real, real advanced. It's just kind of all the middle grades. And the souls are comfortable here. So often, we are told, they have to be kind of led or taken into their next lifetimes because they don't necessarily want to just dive back into progressing because they get so comfortable. <laughs> and then the third astral plane is with the, the libraries and the healing center and wisdom temples, the things that I had talked about a little bit earlier. This is the third astral plane, and this is um, where higher souls who are progressing and learning are. This, the third astral plane would be the closest to our concept of heaven from the descriptions we get from people under trance who are kind of exploring this plane. This astral plane is actually what I would consider the real world. <laughs> it's perfected. It's beautiful. They have all kinds of colors that we don't have and sounds. And it's just a, a really amazing realm. And it is the prototype for Earth. Earth is but a shadow 
We hear, we hear that said many times. Um, but a shadow of what? Uh, Earth is the shadow of what we would consider the third astral plane. It is the ultimate in beauty and offers the most freedom to souls because knowledge is freedom. These souls have learned enough to somewhat direct their own progressions now, and they are typically very eager to keep learning and progressing. There are many higher astral planes and probably lower ones as well. From the higher astral planes, not many souls incarnate. We kind of stop incarnating once we've progressed up to those, except for the masters. What, what we would consider the masters have come back from higher astral planes for very, very specific purposes. So that was a very brief introduction to the other side. And in closing, I just want to say that this information that I'm sharing, especially about death, is in no way to negate all of the complex and very intense emotions that we as humans experience around death as the ones left behind. Those emotions are part of what we came to experience. I personally have experienced dying from old age when I was just content and ready to go. I've experienced being poisoned and being killed by an axe to the skull and drowning. All of this via past life regressions. It is what has helped me to really see death for what it is. It gave me such an entirely non-scary <laughs> um, perspective of what death really is like. None of those were scary or horrible when I was experiencing them. It actually sounds way more horrible now when I tell about it than what it felt. Rhythms and cycles are so deeply embedded in every single aspect of our human ex existence. And death is like the upward turn of the spiral path, the part that helps us step up to yet another level, another cycle or a fresh start. The best way to help a soul who is transitioning, the best way to honor them with our love is to let them go, to cherish the memories and focus on living our own life. I wrote a poem that I'd like to share with you, and this was written to a loved one that passed on. It's titled, Already There. I'm already there where you're going, though human me weeps in the gap. There's a hole here you left, but I won't stay bereft. I'm filling in memories and laughs till it's full. I'm already there where you're going, Awake from this dream of confusion, the part that's still dreaming, absorbing the meaning, knows losing your love's an illusion. Pretend. I'm already there where you're going. Master time only rules us now. You're done with this strife while I finish my life. When I miss you in silence, I'll bow, because I know. I'm already there where you're going. Without even missing a beat, we're sharing our pain and the love that we gained. Planning for the next life we'll meet doesn't end. 
You're already there where I'm going, awake from this dream that we made. Like a new breeze at dawn, our souls carry on. Time rules a grand charade. We're eternal. No matter how many times I read that, I can't seem to do it without crying. All right. Your additional resources for today are Emmanuel's books, 1, 2, and 3. Because Emmanuel offers such a compassionate and love-filled perspective on death. And then the book by Dolores Cannon titled Between Life and Death offers a whole lot more information in visuals and details. Many of her books do chronicle deaths because, of course, um, that's part of every regressed lifetime. However, this one focuses on the death process and then what happens between our lifetimes. Thank you so much for your time today. Please remember to visit our author website at ddadare.com and let us know what questions you have about this or any of the information that we share. Also, you can sign up for an email notification if you would like to know when we release our Atlantis book series later this year in 2018. Many, many blessings on each one of you today. May we each live fully and make peace with death.